Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. What a name. You may be seated. What a name. There is no other name under heaven nor on earth like the name of Jesus. One thing I learned is that Hebrew culture puts a lot of emphasis on names. When they named their child, they didn't just name on name just because they named them, their name, gave them their names because their names meant something. In Jewish culture, most names have some type of religious or, or spiritual uh, resemblance. Unlike today, when we name children names that cross all kind of spectrums, <laughs> names that you just go, what? What is that? What is that? I remember a couple of years ago, uh, one of the movie stars named their daughter Apple. A-P-P-L-E, Apple. I went, wow, what does that mean? And then we have in our families the names that I, some, I guess somewhat means some kind of ties in with our African-American roots, but uh, when I hear some of the names, I go, that really means something? What does that mean? But in this context, in this name, I don't know about you, but there's something about the name of Jesus. Just so sweet to hear the name Jesus. It's amazing how at his name we call it so easily. Just let something happen in our life or something happens that, that's going on in our life. Uh, as much as I love my son, Tyler Joshua, and as much as I love my daughter, Sydney, and as much as I love my wife, Sheila, and my brother, David, and sister, Kathy, my mom, and others here, uh, I don't call your name out when I'm going through something. I call... Jesus. 
I can remember a couple of occasions when I was driving for UPS and all of a sudden it was winter time and I was on ice and snow and that big truck started spinning around. I didn't call on Sheila. I didn't call on Mama. The first words out of my mouth was Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Didn't slide off the road, didn't go into a ditch. He enabled me to be able to uh, fix it right. I remember being in the hospital with my dad and things were going awry. And one of the things that first thing I did when we got the news of his diagnosis was call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, what we going to do? I didn't know who else to call on, but Jesus. Last couple of years, having dealt with some issues with my sons in the hospital with them, and going through all that, and didn't know the didn't know the name, but to call on the name of Jesus. When then I could do, and to be honest with you, the doctors were limited in what they could do. I had to depend on Jesus to help the doctors to help them. So I called on the name of Jesus. And I don't think I'm all alone. I think many of us in here today, if we would be honest with ourselves, we get, we, we, we'd have to say we've been, we've called on Jesus. Amen? Somebody said it's not my mother nor my father, not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, that stands in the need of prayer. And when we do that, we, we, we need to have, we need to call on Jesus. In the context of scripture, share with you last week in Genesis 3.15, that began the verse prophetic telling of there was going to come somebody that's going to deliver us from our sins. I don't think people in the world understand, maybe you don't understand, that we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. You are a sinner, and I am a sinner by birth. You don't have to do anything to be a sinner. You're just a sinner because you're born. As cute as my kids were when they were born, I could see those little faces. My wife and I were talking the other day. I think it was you, me, and you, Sheila, we were talking. Or maybe it was somebody, whoever I was talking to. I can remember when they were little babies, they would look up into the ceiling, and as they were looking up, they'd be... And I'm like, what's up there? And we used to say, they probably see some angels sitting up there. The innocence of babies, they don't know nothing. When you get as old as some of us are, you get a little skeptical. You get hardcore. You get hardened. Life, you know, when you're young, you're pliable. Kids, kids see some stuff that some of us who are older, we don't get, we don't get it. But they got it. So, I would say there's God looking down on them. God looking down on us. But there's something about the name Jesus. Started in Genesis 3 and throughout Scripture, 
God was telling the story that there would become one that one day would save us. We live in a world today where people don't understand what being saved means. I share with the church, I share with the class on Wednesdays, and I'll share with you. I don't get shook. I don't, for you to walk up to me and say, you are a Christian, doesn't move me. For you to say that you believe, anybody, doesn't really shake me. Why? Because in our world today, being a Christian is, not defi- is defined by what the Word of God says, not by what you and I think. We think because we come to church, I'm a Christian. We think because we read our Bible, I'm a Christian. That's not, that's more, there's more to it than that. Well, Pastor, I believe. What do you believe? And do you know what you believe? Do you know that you know that you know what you believe? A lot of people believe. The Bible lets me know that even the demons and devils believe. They admit that Jesus is the Son of God. They know who he is. And for some of us and many people in the world today, they know that in in their head, but has it translated to our hearts and to our minds and to our lives? To be a Christian means you are a little Christ. You're imitating him. It's not about your good works. It's not about our good deeds, because all of our righteousness and all our good deeds, the Bible lets me know, is as filthy rags. So what's in a name? What's, what, what, what about this name, Jesus? We need to find out. In, in Isaiah uh, chapter 7, I think even the Sunday school class talked a little bit about this this morning. Isaiah chapter 7, and we'll start with verse 10. He says, and again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Here then, O house of David, is it too little for you to be weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself, you got to highlight this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. What's the sign? Behold. Take note. Pay attention. Look and see. Behold. The virgin, not a, but notice what he uses, the definite article. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Amen? This young woman, in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 7 and even more specifically, verse 14 has a double meaning. It spoke to the people at that time when Ahaz was king and Ahab in his if you want to say his pride, didn't want to say he didn't want to bother God, but it wasn't about bothering God. God had a plan, had a will for his people. The world was struggling, as the world is struggling today, and guess what? The news that God has for us is the same news he had for them. There shall be born one into this world, you shall call his name, Emmanuel. Amen? The comfort and hope for the world today It's not about alcohol. It's not about drugs. It's not about sex. It's not about connecting with somebody. The hope and comfort of the world today is to know Jesus Christ. Amen? The more Christ is in you and I, the more we have comfort and the more we have hope. He lets them know in Isaiah chapter 10, he says that there will be a sign, a child 
that was going to be born, and he would be born in the king's house. Whomever this child is was going to be born, and we know, if you know your Bible well enough, you know that David was of the house and the lineage of David. David was one of the kings of Israel, and God had promised that out of David's line, out of David's genealogy, out of David's generations, there would be born somebody that would change the world. There would be born somebody who we would know as the Messiah, the promised one. That's what Messiah means. Messiah means promised. Jesus is the promised one. He was promised to us, and he was promised to us for a purpose. There would be a king, there would be a child born in the king's house. And he says, behold, the virgin. Not just anybody, but the. Anytime God wants to make a specific point, he puts the definite article, the. Jesus is not a son of God. He is the son of God. There's only one. Contrary to groups out there that teach that there are many gods. That Jesus was just a son of God. No, he's not just a son. He's the only son. The only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. John tells us that in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was God, and the word was with God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. See, there's only one son. And in Isaiah, he lets us know that there will be a woman that will conceive and have a son. And unlike some of you mothers, she wasn't even allowed to give him whatever name she wanted. She was told to name him Emmanuel. You shall call his name Emmanuel. Amen? Over in Matthew chapter 7, we get some more clarification of this. If anybody ever doubts that the Word of God is written by just men, they put this stuff together, you're a fool. Because what's written in the Old Testament is substantiated or made more perfect, made more known in the New Testament. The old, the new verifies the old, and the old verifies the new, and they both tie in together. Before there was even a Matthew, thousands, hundreds of years before, Isaiah wrote, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Years later, Matthew picks up the story because he's one of the, the chosen by God to be one of his disciples. He followed Jesus. And when Matthew writes in, in chapter 7, beginning at verse 10, do I want 7, 10? No, Matthew chapter 1, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. When Matthew writes there, he picks up what Isaiah had said. He says here in Matthew 1, 18, Now, consider this. The birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is how, this is how I want to tell you about the birth of Jesus Christ. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. He tells us about Jesus' conception. His conception was beyond anything anybody had ever known and ever will know. How's that, Pastor? He came to be, he became, he was conceived not by Joseph and Mary coming together, but by God himself. God, through the means of the Holy Spirit, in 
impregnated Mary with the seed of a son. Wow. Why is that significant, Pastor? Because you got to understand something. In order for Christ to be the perfect sacrifice for us, he had to be, he had to be able to identify with us as human beings, but he also had to be God at the same time. See, he could not become, Mary and Joseph could not have come together and conceived Jesus because if that was the case, Jesus would have been conceived in sin. Anytime a man and woman have children, because of man and woman, because of sin, that child is a sinner. But God says, oh, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to impregnate Mary with the seed of a child. He's going to be both God and he's also going to be man. He's going to be the God-man because he's going to be able to identify with all the people that are in this world. You can't come to Jesus and say, he doesn't understand what I'm going through. Oh, yes, he does. He understands disappointment. He understands heartbreak. He understands all the things that you and I have ever and will go through. Why? Because he experienced that and more. Don't talk to Jesus about him feeling like he was all alone and nobody ever loved him. Rewind the clock and go back to when he was facing trials and judgment and his own people, his own men that traveled with him for three and a half years up and left him to stand before the court all by himself. The same people that said, Jesus, we're with you all the way, are the same people that shrunk back into the crowd and watched from afar. And when the little maiden looked at Peter and said, hey, wait a minute, Peter. Aren't you a Galilean? Did I not see you with this man? What did Peter say? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't know the man. That's what I think about some of us when it comes to Christ and to the church. I don't know the man. I don't know them people down there. No, man, you, you got the wrong person. I used to remember when my pastor used to talk about, he could tell when people were talking about him. I mean, I know y'all talk about me. I mean, that's obvious. I mean, you always, if you're out front, somebody's going to be talking about you. Hopefully good things, but sometimes not so good things. So I got it. That's all good. But you know how you know how you can really tell? The children. The babies. There's some babies. Pastor, how are you doing? And then there's other babies, and they ain't saying nothing to you. And they just look at you. And I used to wonder how he knew. I, I didn't get that until now that I'm here. Okay, it's all good. Baby, how you doing? Something about Jesus. He was both God, and he was both man. Amen? He says, no, that's, that's, you know this, because Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Because in verse 19, we have Joseph's doubt, and Joseph's doubt and concern. He was in betrothed. I said this before, and I'll say it again. Back then, being betrothed was they were already considered legally married. They hadn't had the legal ceremony, but in the mind in Jewish culture, once you were betrothed, 
it was as if you were already married. Now, this is, this is, this is really simple. He's, in, he's betrothed. He's technically married to Mary. And he finds out something about his betrothed. What does he find out? Oh, I'm glad you asked the question. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph before they came together, they hadn't had any relations. Surprise, surprise. She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph didn't know this. <clears throat> Excuse me. You are already pregnant? Catch this stuff. She was conceived, found to be a child of the Holy Spirit, and her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. What I want you to pay attention, Joseph was a just man. He was a right man. He, he, he lived his life right. There was no scandal in Joseph's life. There was no other baby mamas, daddy mamas running around. And the, the perception of Joseph was he's a man that lived right. He was a man that did right. And all of a sudden, this man that lived right finds out that the person he's engaged, he's betrothed to get married to, is found to be with child. Now, you know how we talk in our community. You know how we talk. You know how we talk. Somebody say amen. Y'all know how we like to talk. The little sidewalk, side, side superintendent conversations we have off to the side. No, I see y'all do them all the time. Why, why is he doing what? I don't understand. What's past? I don't get past it. What that? Did, what, I don't get brother so and so. What is it? I don't get sister so and so. You know, she thinks that she's, and he thinks that he. And we have those little sidewalk conversations. Do you not think they were any different than us? No. Wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. They're married. They're engaged to get married. And lo and behold, Mary's pregnant? Oh, my. What has Joseph and Mary been doing? Well, you know, Mary, I always thought she was a, and you know, Joseph, he was a, oh, they had those conversations. And Joseph, being a just man, as he's walking through town, as he's coming to the synagogue, he faced the same things that you might have to face. People who think they know your story, talking about you behind your back, saying things about you that they would not confront you face to face with. No, oh, you, you've got it. Coming in church, hi, brother, how you doing? Hi, sister, hi, brother. And then you sit down, and then, you know. And Wilmington's a small community, and our community's small. People like to chirp. And no matter what's said about you or some of your loved ones or whoever, sooner or later it gets bad. Pastor, do you know what they're saying about you? Well, I don't know. I get tickled at some of you who tell me, Pastor, you know, blah, 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 blah. I go, I don't know, blah, 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 blah. I'm the last person on God's green earth that they're going to talk to. They don't want me to know. That's one of the reasons why you, you, I get all the, I'm on Facebook, but I'm not friends with any of you. And I have a reason why I'm not going to befriend you. 
I had some pastor friends go, man, you need to use Facebook and Twitter and, and get involved in all that because that, that helps you communicate with your people, share with your people. No, no, no. I love you. But I will not do that because I don't want my heart broken any more than it already is. Because some of you have no filter. What little bit I see, it breaks my heart. Because I'm like, how can you be this in Facebook that? It's not, it's not a good testimony. And you have, a, you have a right to do what you want to do, but you need to think about what is that perception among people that are out in the world that get to read some of the trash that some of us put out. So that's why I stay off of Facebook in, 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 that, in that area. Now, I have, I'm on Facebook for the simple fact that I have listened to certain guys and preachers and classes and stuff. That's the only reason why I have it. But it get involved in knowing you and tweeting and f- doing all that? No. I don't have that kind of time. I used to depend on my son to keep my presence up on Facebook and Twitter. But other than that, because I, 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 I hear it, and you say, well, how do you know this, Pastor? Because somebody eventually said, man, did you see what so-and-so had on Facebook? And I go, no. Well, I tell you what, you, you, need, to go, you need to go on Facebook and see that. Mm-mm. Like I said, my heart gets broken week after week already. I don't need to see you with a, hey, some glass of something in your hand or doing something that, or being in a, I'm like, what? No. Mm-mm. Joseph had some doubts and concerns because people were talking about him. He was a just man and unwilling. He was unwilling to what? He loved Mary. He was unwilling to put her away private. Because here's what, here's what would happen. If he would have just simply up and, 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 and divorced or cut off the engagement and said, we're not going to get married, the consequences would have been dire, could have been dire for Mary. I know some of you sisters have a great concern, and I'm likewise concerned about this too. In our culture, even in today, we put more emphasis and blame on the woman than we do the man. I can, remember, I can remember being in church. This is back in old school. I know some of you don't like when I talk about old stuff and back when I was in church. You know, Pastor, why do you always got to talk about when you were in church? Well, because that's my reference point. But I can remember when a girl got pregnant by a young man and they were not married. And the, supposedly, it was supposed to be the girl and the guy. But I can remember many a young lady that was a member of the church, got herself in a situation, and she would find herself right down here on a Sunday morning expressing her remorse and asking the church for forgiveness for doing that which was not right and pleasing in the sight of God. My question always was, I'm a firm believer, it takes two to tango. If you're going to bring her down, you got to bring him down, too. Because unlike Jesus, there is no more immaculate conceptions. She didn't get pregnant by herself. Somewhere, somehow, there's some guy involved. And if they were members of the church, and they were going to do right by the church and by God, if they both were, they both need to confess. 
Doesn't make them evil. Doesn't make them horrible people. They just did something that was not right. We don't hold that. We don't do that kind of stuff today because we are so sensitive. Pastor, now you know. I ain't going down and tell nobody. Uh -uh. No, no, you missed the point. You missed the point. It wasn't about putting your, number one, your dirt's already out. You weren't saying anything up here that people already did not know. But you got to have both come down. Well, I can do that in the privacy of my own house. Who, who are, who's the church to say that they need to forgive me? Check your scripture. Check your Bible. Part of being part of a church is you covenant together. If we read the church covenant, it's not just words. Some of y'all need to pay more attention to what you're actually saying. Read the words and comprehend. Be engaged, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. What does that mean? That we, Cornerstone, all who are members, we covenant, we bound ourselves together by not only the word of God, which is his main thing, but also by what we supposedly believe as a church that's going to be on that wall that's in the church covenant. To promote the church, its prosperity, its spirituality, the giving, its financially support, the church, spirituality, uh, what's that mean? Coming to the church. Engaging with the church, being involved in the church, coming to Sunday school, coming to Wednesday nights, coming to Sunday mornings, being actively involved, serving, doing something, not just sitting, being a spectator. To promote his prosperity and to advance the, advance the kingdom of God as you're out. Hey, guess what? Come to a place. What place? I cave. We kind of, we... We're not, we're, we got a good church. Maybe the reason why we're not talking about this is something. Maybe we don't have a good church. Maybe you don't think it's a good church. But here's Joseph facing the people talking. They're talking about him. And he didn't want to put her away privately because he understood if he did that, she would be facing real public shame. He wanted shame. He wanted to put her away, Joseph. He wanted to put her away quietly. Verse 20 through 23, Joseph hears from God. There's something about when you hear from God. When you hear from God, everything changes. Now, I'm encouraged when I hear from certain people. People call me and, hey, man, how you doing? But when I really hear from God, then I'm really encouraged. Amen? What did Joseph hear? Well, here's what happened. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Saying, Joseph, son of David. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. All right, Joseph, calm down. Slow your roll. It's all right. Mary didn't step out on you and do something that behind your back. I got this thing. I'm God. And I'm telling you, go ahead and marry her. For that which is conceived, that which she's bearing, is from me. 
not from another man. She ain't played on you. I don't know of anybody, man or woman, that if they thought somebody was stepping out on business, they could just sit there and go, oh, okay, this is just a wonderful thing. Joseph had some doubts, as well as we would have some doubts. But he needed the word of God to say, wait a minute, Joseph? As he was considering these things, what's it, these things? The things that happened with him and Mary and where he's at, like, did she, didn't she? But God says, no, 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 no. An angel comes and says, listen, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And guess what? You, Joseph, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Amen? You should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place. It was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, same thing it was in Isaiah, Matthew picks up. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel. What does that word Emmanuel mean? The word Emmanuel means God with us. Amen? God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did. He obeyed. He listened. He did. He did what? He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. What did he do? He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And they called his name Jesus. You hear from God, you got to obey. Don't hear from God and walk out and just do what you want to do. No, hear what God has said. Whatever God is speaking to you right now as an individual, hear his voice and then obey. Amen? And if God's not speaking to you as a result of the hearing of the word, there's a problem. Is God going to talk to you like I'm talking to you right now? No. You're not going to hear an audible voice. But the Spirit of God will come and in your inner self, in your inner being, is going to speak to you what you need for your life. And when he does that, there's only one thing to do. O-B-E-Y. Obey. The name Jesus comes from the Hebrew word Yahshua, which is a form of Yahweh will save. God will save. That's what Jesus came into the world for. That's what we celebrate all this month. We're talking about Jesus. What a name. Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful name. Jesus. What a name. We shall and should. Proclaim. Jesus has got such a wonderful name that the Bible says, at the name of Jesus. Not the name of Byron, not the name of Sheila, not the name of Kathy, not the name of Sigrid, not the name of Dennis, not anybody the name, whatever your name is, not your name, but at the name of Jesus, every knee will have to bow. You say, I bow. You will that day. Do your thing, baby. 
Live your life. Enjoy what you're doing. Eat, drink, be merry, get drunk, get high, go run, go jump, go do. Do your thing. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. But I guarantee you, when he comes back, he's coming back. Jesus is coming back sooner than we think. But when he comes back, and then you got to stand before the Father, oh, you're going to bow. Amen? Say, oh, no, I'm not. Oh, yeah, you will. You know how I know you will? Because when you're in front of God, that's the only thing you can do. And in case you don't know, you've already bowed before. When you've gone through those trials and rough times in your life, oh, yeah, that's a humbling experience. That brought some of us who don't know anything about being on our knees. We may not know God. We may not think about God. But when God humbles you and brings you down to the point that all you could do is fall on your knees, oh, yeah, you're going to bow. I was sharing with Brother Bell. Some of the, some that made me think of... Uh, the story about the little boy that was in the car. And his mother kept telling him, sit down. Sit down. And finally, he sat down. And he said what some of us says. Hey, mom, I may be sitting down in my seat right now, but I'm really standing up in my heart. And that's how some of us approach God. Oh, God, I come to church, I sit, I do... But in my own heart, I'm going to do my thing. Bump the pastor. Bump the church. Bump God. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll sit. But just know this, that in my heart, I ain't buying it. But isn't it good that if you call on the name of Jesus today, he will save you from your sins. Father, we thank you for your word.